0: Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Genesis 1, 26 through
1: 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion
0: Now, Psalm 8, and let's read this together. Psalm 8:3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the reading of the Lord.
2: May I grab a seat. Happy Labor Day weekend. It's so good to be with you this morning, Hill City. My name is Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor of Hill City Church. It is an honor uh, to serve this church and serve you this morning as we go. Uh, to God's Word. If you're visiting, we're super excited that you are here. So there was a movie uh, that was made a few years ago. It was a Disney movie. I have four kids, so pretty much an expert, okay? The movie is called The Rookie, and it's a baseball movie. And Jim Morris was a science teacher who, who, who had been a great baseball player, and he had had six shoulder surgeries, Man, I, I mean, he had been through it. It was rough. And in the movie, he was a high school baseball coach, and his players were trying to convince him, Coach, you need to try out. You need to try out. You're so good. You need to, you need to try out. And, and his quote back to his players, his students, uh, was this. He said, Last time I checked, scouts aren't looking for a high school science teacher. And, and as you watch the movie, you see that Jim, he had lost a bit of his identity as a baseball player. He was good, but he had suffered these injuries. And he didn't believe that he could ever be a pitcher again. And then the movie, of course, is about a comeback. Being reminded of what he was capable of. Now, now, now why would we start a sermon off with, with a Disney movie I just want to set the tone here because we, we've started Genesis. If you're visiting, we've jumped in the book of Genesis. This is our third ser- sermon. So, so we've had two sermons in Genesis. And I don't want to get too far away and forget because, it, because I did, right? I, I started to take my eye off of who was it that, that were the original hearers of this creation account, of this book of Genesis, Because the original hearers had forgotten some things, and they needed to make a comeback. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. God, we love you, and we are so grateful for you, for your word, and as we continue to look at this creation account this morning, would you uh, just open our eyes, God, and show us. Amazing things from your word. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So by way of review, the original hearers of this Genesis, Genesis account would have been Israel. And, and when this was written, you have to remember, they had been brought out of Egypt. Here they are in the wilderness. This is between Egypt and the promised land where Moses writes this. And they gonna, they're going to be heading into the promised land, but they had come out of slavery. They had come out of captivity four hundred and thirty years of slavery and captivity in Egypt. Egypt had programmed them to believe who they were and why they were on earth. Egypt had told them, you are slaves, you make bricks, you lay bricks. Ladies, You make babies. We take your babies and we teach them to make bricks and lay bricks. That is who you are. That's why you're on the earth. For 430 years, this was programmed into their minds. Now, think about this. How many days off does a slave get? Answer, zero. There was no such thing as a weekend here. They worked, they worked, they worked, and Israel had suffered for 430 years. And what they were really suffering from was an identity crisis. And here, the one true and living God, by His spirit breathing out this book of Genesis into the pen of his servant Moses, He is, provi- he is providing He is providing a, a healing therapy to his kids. This creation account is God reminding them who they are and whose they are. And I think by His Spirit that He could do the same thing here in our hearts thousands of years later. So the creation account, by way of review, you remember last week we talked about God is creating in the first three days. He's forming the earth. And then, then he spent the next two filling the earth. And, and here we are today on day six where he's not done filling the earth. So he forms it the first three days. He fills it uh, the last three days. And, 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 and here we are on day six Now, as we dive into this, I recently read a book called uh, The Peace Index. It's good. It's not about Genesis, but the author used a bunch of P words. I'm going to borrow the P words from the author of this book called The Peace Index. Those P words are this. We see that God actually makes a place. He prepares a place. But he's not just preparing it just for nothing. He is preparing it for people. And then what he's going to do, he's going to give those people a purpose. So let's quickly review place. I already said it, day one through five. He, here he was preparing a place, the one true God c- created a place. And we talked about it last week, like something was coming into view. You had all the plants, you had, you had animals, you, you had, uh, what is, what, is this a garden that's coming into view? And it is a garden, but it was more than a garden. The one true and living God is creating actually a temple, a tabernacle, A place for himself to dwell. A place for his presence to come. And and as you read the Old Testament, the presence of God is a theme that will not go away as you read the Old Testament. And as we see Eden, this this garden that we read of, it's the first reality of of a tabernacle. And God is going to dwell there. So he forms it and then he fills it. But he wasn't just going to come hang out in this tabernacle alone. What did he create this place for, this paradise? What did he create it for? Better yet, who did he create it for? He created it for people. For people. Humanity. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So let's just break that down. Let us. Wait a minute. I thought God did this. He did. And remember, we talked about the, the doctrine, the theology of a triune God. One God, three persons. Very present in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The triune God, present at creation. Well, here we see it again. Let us make man in our image. This is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit making man man. Well, what is that? Let us make man. I said it once, I'm going to say it again. The culmination, the goal of creation was what he filled the earth with on the sixth day. The crown of God's creation is human life. So listen, just, I don't want to state the obvious here, but listen, humans are, we are more than animals. We are not equal to animals. You cannot go to the Bible and conclude that. And we see this because up, up to this point, God has created everything by the word of his power. He spoke it and it existed, but for the crown of his creation he actually becomes more intimate now you'd have to see this in genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 so let me read that to you this is god as he creates the crown of his creation humanity then the lord god formed the man of dust from the ground so now you have him more intimate he forms the man from the ground so I, I have to bring attention to this. Like, like God created man out of something he had already created. What was that thing? It, it was dust. And this is, this, is a, this is an important point that I want us to get this morning. That was by God's intention. He created us out of dust. Now, I'm going to bring this up, and then I'll explain more. But there's a belief out there that that surrounds us, uh, and you may have heard of it. It's called Gnosticism, the Gnostics. And what they would believe about the body is that the body was evil, but the spirit is good. And the spirit is pure, and it's trapped in an evil body. But we can't go to scripture and conclude that. See, Christians, we, God's people, we understand that we are physical people and we are spiritual people, and both matter to God. They do. We should take care of our physical bodies. He created us from dust. Dust is not evil, but dust is, it is weak. And that's on purpose. Why God would take something that He'd already created and make us. Dust is weak, dust is fragile. It's the psalmist that tells us in Psalm 103 as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, He remembers that we are dust. So we're fragile and we are weak. And we are created in need of the very one who formed us. But it doesn't just stop that, okay, you're created from dust. It says something else. It says, And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. See, and and if you missed it, and and I skipped it on purpose, but it says the Lord God. The Lord God. See, up to up to this point it's been God. It's been God. But we see that Lord God, which is actually Yahweh Elohim. It it has been Elohim up to this point, but but now we see Yahweh Elohim, which was, was like this is a personal God. This is a God who has a personal relationship with his creation. Right here. And he's intimate with his creation. And he breathes life into this. Being and, and we are the only beings then. We are the only part of his creation that has an immortal soul. And this immortal soul is instilled in us by God himself. It's instilled in us by his very breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. It is his breath. So let's, let's, let's do this. You ready? Everybody with me. Take a breath. Exhale. God gave you that. Is He not awesome? (laughs) God gave us that. And listen, Israel needed a reminder. What they needed to be rid of was their identity as slaves, they were not slaves. They were people, listen, they were, God put his breath in them. They are God's. And to be reminded that it's God's very breath that he puts in you. That should help you understand who you are and whose you are. But God says something else. Let us make man in our image after our likeness now a better way to, to read that would be this let us make man our image that would actually be more accurate to take the word in out and just say let us make man our image so so what is it that God is doing what is he determined to do here let us make man our image this is where we get the doctrine of the imago day the image of God but the first thing we have to recognize about imago day so somebody like oh yeah I've heard this before listen and listen, we're going we're to hear awesome things about our value, but we can't start with our value when we see Imago Dei. First and foremost, the Imago Dei speaks to God's value. Now, what do I mean by that? We are, we, mankind, we are creature. We are not creator. We are not self-existent. And here's the thing about it. Some of you aren't like this. Listen, when you make it, you own it. It is yours. Furthermore, when you make it, you determine the purpose of it. Because you own it. And God makes mankind his image. And Israel needed a refresher. Israel needed to be reminded, Egypt doesn't own you. I do. What a gracious thing we see here. The idea that Israel had to know, no, no, they belong to God. We we, we teach the same thing to each other and to our kids, right? In our catechism where we say, we are not our own, but we belong to, good work, good work. Freeze, I, I, I lobbed a softball for you, okay? When in doubt, just say Jesus, you'll get it. Hey, we are not our own, but belong to God. Listen, I hope you're teaching your kids this, mom and dad. But that's just not something we teach our kids. We must know, we are not our own. We belong to God. We are God's image bearers. Because, listen, what would happen... Because I want to unpack this. When a king owned something, he would put his image. This is what happened in the ancient world. It still happens in some some cultures today. Where a king was in charge, where a king had ownership, he would put his image. And where you saw that image, it, it communicated something. Where you see the image of a king, something is communicated. And what is it? God by creating mankind says mine and wherever you see this creation it says this to everything around it mine and that's gracious that's that's good he created it he owns it now listen are we are we are god's image Bearer. So first and foremost, that's where God's value is seen. But yes, this is also where our value is found. In Ray Orland's book, The Death of Porn, one of the, one of the main things he's, he's trying to get people who are addicted to porn to understand is where their value is, who they are, and who they are. And he says this, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. You have every right to see yourself as crowned with glory and honor. God said that about you. We just read it from the psalm. Listen, we are the crown of his creation. We have to start seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. We are the image of God. Now, does this mean that you look like God? Are we we an imperfect form of God? No, God does not have a bodily form. God is spirit. And in our image is not speaking of a physical capacity. We are not a lesser copy of God's body. He has no body. So what does it mean? Let us create man in our image, or let us create man our image. Two capacities I want to bring to your attention. The capacity to know God and to reflect God like a mirror. And the second one is the capacity to rule, to have dominion. I'll get to that on our final point, but let's talk about to know and reflect like a mirror. So I said it again, God... God puts his stamp on us, his image, so that wherever we are, that it c- communicates to the world, mine. In other words, to finish the thought, his image speaks to his authority. We are, we, we are representatives of a king's authority. So, so that means that we, sh- we submit to the creator's authority. Listen, this is going to be huge for what we're going to talk about next week. You make it. You own it. You make it. You design it. You build it. You say what its purpose is. You set its boundaries. That is how it works. And this speaks to God's authority. And we need to know this this morning. Whoever would stand against that authority, right, when you, when you operate within an image of a king. And you go against what that king says. You stand in mutiny against that king. We are his image. One writer says to be created, God's image is the royal office or calling of human beings as God's representatives and agents to the world. Image of God. God. Means that humans have been given power to share in God's rule or administration of the earth's resources and creatures. We rule as representatives of God. Now let's go back to our original hearers. Israel had it burned into their hearts, they had it burned into their minds that they were slaves. And what they had to do was relearn the basic truth that they were image bearers. They were created to reflect and to rule. That is not what Egypt had told them for hundreds and hundreds of years. And as we read this, we need to hear the same thing. God tells us that we matter. And listen, it is not dependent on meeting certain qualifications. We matter because our Creator, He He, He, He has written dignity all over us. We matter because we are created His image. He created us to matter. We don't achieve dignity. It's a gift to humanity. Listen, we know this. You can go to the Bible. You can see... After sin, even, even enter the world. So this is not some pre-fall state. Listen, after sin enter the world, God tells Israel that murder is wrong, okay? Now, why is murder wrong? Here's what God says. It's wrong because God, here's what he said in Genesis 9, 6, and you'll read it. Why is murder wrong? Because God made man in his own image. That's what makes murder wrong. Because we have value, even just by being humanity, we have value given to us by God. All men, all women, image bearers today. Now listen, there's a place, and God created it, and he created it for a people. But he didn't just stop, he just created and say, okay, we did it. No, no. He gave his people a purpose. See nothing exists. Nothing exists for itself. A building doesn't just exist for a building. We don't cars aren't built for a car. The earth wasn't made just for itself. It was made for something. So it's not only true that if you make it that you own it, but if you make it you also determine its purpose and we have a purpose. We have a maker. He told us our purpose. And in telling us our purpose, he tells us why we are here. And there are really two reasons that cover all of why we're here. You can sum it up in these two words. It really is this simple. Here's your purpose. Ready? One, worship. Two, work. He made us to worship. He made us to work. Now here's the reality. Every human being worships. You might think, well, I'm not religious. I don't do that. No, you worship something. You can't not not worship. That is how God wired people. But we need to know, Hill City, we are not here for us. We are here for God. In Isaiah chapter 43, it says, The people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. That's why we're here New Testament didn't, the New Testament didn't switch that up on us either. Romans chapter 11, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Go, go on further into Revelation. We sing this stuff a lot. Worthy are you, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy of our worship. We are here to worship and we are here to worship our creator, our God, our king. So listen, when you see this garden, when you see the first the first human, Adam, he is made, you need to see, oh, that is the first priest that ever lived and it's a priest in a temple that is leading the worship of the creator. Adam the first priest. And he, part of worship is, is obeying God's commands. Well, what were some of the commands, right? Well, first we got to see, we, I mean, thank God for commands. I hope that's your heart posture. Thank God that he gave us commands. Let's look at some of them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's a command. Let's go do that, right? And we, and we saw last week that filling, that there's blessing in the filling, Right? And man, God said, go do that. And then he's like, hey, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. He's like, I've given all this. Look at all this. And you can read in Genesis chapter 2. Hey, all these trees, all this fruit, here's what I want you to do. Eat it. Eat it all. Because that's what God does. He's a provider and he gives us more than we could ever imagine. He gives us all that we need and God says, go do it. And that's part of obeying his commands. Now, he gave some restrictions as well. Verse 16 of chapter 2, And the Lord God commanded them, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. That's a lot of trees. You can study the garden. It wasn't like the little thing that you got a fence around in your backyard. Okay? This is massive. And God's like, eat, all, eat of every tree. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So here the creator gives a restriction. And part of worship is that we obey the things God tells us to do and the things that God tells us not to do. But no matter how we slice it, the reality is our purpose on earth is to worship God, All that we do is for Him. But that's not our only purpose. He also gave us the purpose of work. Genesis chapter 1, 28. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then you go on to Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. So he creates man down in verse 15 of chapter 2. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is what we do. And part of how humanity images God is by bringing purpose and order to a chaotic world. So our work is designed... To bring order where there would otherwise be chaos. that, That was Adam's job. That is our job. And I want you to know, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do for work. But I do know this, it's sacred. God designed it. Are you a builder? That's sacred work. That's godly work. Are you a banker? Are you a financial advisor? Are you a teacher? Are you a doctor? Do you manage people? Listen, all of those, whatever job we can see how, okay, if I didn't do this, there would be chaos. But I do this and it brings order. And it's work. And listen, just in case you're hearing this, I'm not just talking about a vocation. You know what's work? You know, what bring, you know what's bringing order out of chaos? Parenting. That's work. You know what's work? Marriage. Like God designed us to work. And, and listen, he puts, this, he puts this in us early. Like he puts this desire in us early. How do I know? A few, few things, I'll just tell you. Beads and Legos. And I've stepped on a bunch of them. Okay, listen, my kids, what are they doing early? They're building. They're creating they're taking something that means nothing and, and they're bringing. Listen, a pile of Legos is chaotic. But what kids do is they start to build. God wired that within them. And listen, you think, I, and I, I know this is true because even if we didn't have Legos, even if we didn't have like beads, here's what you go to a restaurant, maybe this is just my kids. Listen, they use the creamers and the jellies and they start building. Maybe maybe if you don't go to a restaurant, but they just kids play outside. Maybe they don't have the beads, they don't have the string, but they'll find a vine and they'll start wrapping it and make some sort of necklace out of like a a vine. God put that in them. There's dignity in work. And work actually brings added dignity. So, So let's just... Pause. Do you know? I mean, do you know that you have a sacred purpose on the earth? And listen, and, and right now, I'm not talking about yet, I'm not talking about going and sharing the gospel, the greatest news of people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you have a purpose. So what if the culture of this church was that we just found each other, maybe within our city groups. May, may, maybe just with right here, today, here, maybe just as we're at work. And, and we found each other, and we, and we just started telling each other, hey, God has wired you in such an awesome way. Have you ever thought about doing this? I just think you would crush this. Right? Hey, you are incredible at this. Man, I've seen you do your work, and you are awesome. I just want to encourage you, man. That is godly work, like, and, and I don't care what it is. Like, like if you're a teacher, thank you for doing that. Man, those classrooms are nuts, oh, but you bring some order. Like, these kids barely even know how to read, but when you're done with them, they can read. That's amazing. This person was broke. They didn't even know how to spend their money. They didn't know how to do anything. But, but man, they sat in your office, and you, had, you were their financial advisor, and now they actually know how to steward their money. You brought order where there was chaos. That's God's work. Let's have a culture here, Hill City, where we just encourage each other like crazy in our work. Now let's go back to our original here. Egypt had told the Jewish people for hundreds of years that their value and their worth came from what they produced. So, So before we get too far out ahead... With our work. I don't want us to think incorrectly about our work. Egypt told Israel, what you do and how good you are at it determines your value and worth. And the world still tells us the same thing. And they're wrong. So here's what happens. The world starts telling us this. So here's what we do. We start working for an identity, but God's people were never designed to work for their identity. We are designed to work out of an identity. You see the difference? Listen, you can go to work, not tomorrow because we have the day off, Uh -huh, huh? Tuesday, you can go to work knowing who you are and whose you are, and I'm telling you, it'll make you better at your work. Or you can go to work going, if I don't crush this, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. And your work will suffer. If you're serving communion, I would like you to go ahead and take your places. So God made a place. He made people for that place. And he gave those people a purpose but here's what happened and here's what still happens today places become idols and people become idols and finding purpose becomes an idol and that was never ever God's design How do we get to that? How how, how is this so messed up? Listen, because we're not so different from Israel. We are actually born with an identity problem. And we forget that we have a creator who owns us. You make it, you own it. What happens is sin causes us to run from our Creator. And it actually causes us to run from our calling. It it causes us to run from our true identity. So God creates mankind, He says, fill the earth. And listen, I know you're reading that Be Fruitful and Multiply, and some of you are like, I don't, I don't have babies. Listen, it wasn't just, it's not just fill the earth with babies. It's fill the earth with cities. It's fill the earth with structures. It's, it's to go build golf courses. It's to, go, it's to go build roads. It's to go bring order out of chaos. That is being fruitful and, and multiplying. And, and we needed a body to do this. God didn't need a body to do this. We needed a body. Our body, it's not some small picture of what God looks like. Our body was given to us by God in order for us to do what he tasked us to do. But sin, let me say it again, sin, which gives us our identity crisis. And our identity crisis is so bad that we could do nothing about it on our own. So here's what happened. The Son of God took on a body To do what he was tasked to do before the foundation of the earth. It's another reason we don't don't say that that a body is evil. Our king put on a body. Our king. Who though he was in the form of God. Did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of a man, of a human. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even the death on a cross. And listen, this is our only hope to fix our identity crisis. It's our only hope in truly knowing whose we are and who we are. And you know, it's actually the, the same hope that Israel had. And I pray that you will realize that this morning. So God, in this place, as we prepare ourselves for a meal, would you invade hearts? Will you remind those in here who know you? God, will you remind them of their true identity? God, and though there are people in here who do not know you, will you for the first time in their life reveal to them who they are and whose they are? Would you, would you save them? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can stand with me.